Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpWithTheTruth.com. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. David Fiorazzo with Mary Andrew Dielsen, and we've got Alex Newman on the line from Florida. And in the second segment, we are going to be talking a little bit about uh, several different articles uh, massive 70-car uh, train derails in North Dakota this time, and again, spilling hazardous materials. This is very interesting how many, how often this is happening. Uh, Utah, they have a new law requiring parental consent for minors to use social media, which is interesting. Also, over at the Gateway Pundit, the Taliban releases a video of fields full of U.S. military vehicles, piles of U.S. high-end weapons, and a room filled with stacks of $100 bills that Joe Biden surrendered to the Taliban. We've got to touch on that. It's it's really amazing to see those pictures in the video. And the Epic Times, physician assistant fired for reporting COVID-19 vaccine adverse events to VAERS. But before uh, we get to Alex Newman, we uh, we are going to talk about school choice and vouchers and really the, the ins and outs of accepting federal money from the government uh, from private or Christian schools. Um, want to mention, uh, it's tonight, actually. It's Tuesday the 28th. So we've been talking about this over at Freedom Project Education in Appleton, Wisconsin. The John Birch Society CEO, Bill Hahn, is speaking at 6.30 p.m. tonight. It's free, uh, talking about governments around the world taking steps to drive farmers out of business, and they're talking about a lot more than that. So Bill Hahn speaking at Freedom Project in Appleton tonight at 6.30 Call. We've got a number for you. Call Freedom Project if you have any questions. One more thing before we get into the interview. Um, good news. And then there were five. Um, we have ha- been having a lot of fun with p- listeners from across the country, and uh, we've been, you know, we're not trying to raise money necessarily, but we've got different people donating from all across the country to Stand Up for the Truth Q90 FM Lakeshore Communications, and we just got. Our donation from Kansas that we've been wondering, there's got to be conservatives in Kansas listening to Stand Up for the Truth. So thank you for that. Also, Louisiana and uh, Maryland. So now we're down to five states. We know we've got to have a listener, one listener in at least, well, maybe not Hawaii. But anyway, Connecticut, Hawaii, Maine, Rhode Island, and Utah. Come on, friends. There's got to be Christians in Utah. I know there are. So those are the five states that we have not received a donation from. And again, if even if you send in 20 bucks, I mean, this is just a fun thing we're doing. We'd love to get all the states. That, and then, you, then we can say, I ah, listeners from everywhere. So just a little fun we're having. But today's guest, Alex Newman, journalist, educator, CEO of the Liberty Sentinel, uh, author of the phenomenal book, Crimes of the Educators, How Utopians Are Using Government Schools to Destroy America's children. He writes for the Newman Report at Freedom Project Media. He's the senior editor for the New American Magazine and many, many other roles he plays. And he travels around and speaks. Alex, welcome back to the podcast. It is great to be here. Thank you so much for having me, brother. Thanks for your time. Uh, quickly, what have you been doing? Where have you been speaking? And uh, what's on your heart? 
Oh, man, I've been all over the place, uh, been traveling the country. I actually headed to Texas today and then California on Friday to speak at wow. the uh, Eagle Forum. If anybody's out there in yes. Southern California, it'll be amazing. Um, Seth Gruber is going to be there, too, and well, I've become a huge Seth Gruber fan. Yeah, <laughs> yep, we've had him on the podcast um, many times. Awesome. Uh, so yeah. you're going to be speaking about education issues or what? Uh, no, actually, the, uh, the Great Reset. Um, and then I'll be up in Wausau, Wisconsin. I know a lot of your listeners are up in the Wisconsin area. Right. I will be up there on uh, April 15th for the uh, WCN conference up there with some other uh, incredible people. And then in Pennsylvania the week after that. And no, I mean, you know the deal. I've been just writing like crazy, <laughs> doing uh, my regular Newman Report articles, exposing the madness of uh, what's happening in K-12 through education. Uh, just did a big one that appeared last week in the Epic Times about UNESCO, the UN Education and Cultural Agency, being complicit, uh, according to critics, in the extermination, the genocide of the Uyghur people mm. in uh, Western China. Wow. Um, I know the article we're going to talk about today, that, that was an important one. It was a hard one to write because so many of the people I love and my good friends and people who I, I respect very highly are on the other side of this issue, but I'm confident that uh, eventually they'll be migrating over to the correct side on this, if I can be so bold. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, if, by the way, if people can go to freedomproject.com, Newman Report. Uh, we will be talking about the UNESCO strategy and regarding education, governments controlling uh, education, and even uh, private or religious. But we're going to start with China. Alex, uh, so much happening there, and there's so much we don't know. But Mary wanted to jump into that and uh, talk about China with you before we jump into education. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Alex, I was listening yesterday to your interview uh, with Harrison Smith of the American Journal uh, about China and the multipolar world becoming a unipolar world. And recently... Um, Xi and Putin um, had a little confab together, a three-day visit to Russia, and uh, Putin pledged to strengthen their strategic cooperation, quote-unquote, through increased trade, high-tech industries, energy. But they didn't say anything about, oh, I don't know, supplying Russia with weapons for the war in Ukraine. And some are saying that, that China is using the war in Ukraine to test their drone systems and to test all these things. What can you tell us about what in the world these two are up to? And, of course, it's no good. Yeah, it, it is definitely no good. Um, and actually, I had a very nice uh, hour-long conversation yesterday with uh, Dr. and Ambassador Alan Keyes. Ooh, um, love him. Under Secretary of State uh, during the Reagan administration. Yeah. Great guy. Mm -hmm. And so this is actually what we discussed for a full hour. Um, and, you know, Donald Trump over the weekend said something very, very wise. Um, he pointed out that, uh, yes, Russia and China are a, are a big threat to the United States of America, and they are. But a much bigger threat is the fifth column that we have in our country mm -hmm. that has aided and abetted and built up these powers for multiple generations mm. now. Um, and that's really what we're dealing with. So, you know, when these fake geopolitical analysts pop up on TV, these silly talking heads and say, oh, we don't want to drive Russia and China together. Give me a break. Give me a break. I mean, they, they just signed a, a no limits cooperation deal. They said their relations are at the greatest point in all of their history. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I, I think the most important defector to have ever defected from the Soviet Union, um, his name was Anatoly Golitschin. 
Uh, he came out of Department D in the KGB's disinformation department. And this was the, the long-range disinformation and deception part of the KGB. They were plotting out long-term strategy to deceive the West to advance their warfare. Mm-hmm. And um, he actually he, he gave a series of 200 and something very specific predictions about what was going to happen. One of the things he predicted was that there was going to be a fraudulent, a phony collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, that the communists would remain in charge. They would just rebrand. Yep, They'd yep. become a socialist party. They would become <clears throat> oligarchs, right? They'd buy up uh, state assets and state-owned industries for pennies on the dollar, and they'd become magically overnight billion they're capitalists. Give me a break. Uh, and so he was right about that. He predicted the Berlin Wall would come down. He predicted that we'd have a fake liberalization in Eastern Europe. He actually even gave the names of the people who would lead the fake anti-communist revolutions. Um, he mentioned, for example, Lech Walesa in Poland, uh-huh. the leader of the Solidarity Union. And people were like, oh, give me a break. I mean, don't be ridiculous. Uh, now we have from the Soviet KGB archives the fact that he was on the KGB payroll. His code name was Volek. Uh, so this guy was right on the money. And he predicted as the final... The grand finale, if you will, uh, he said there was going to be a second October revolution that would be global in scope and it would finally take down the remnants of the so-called free world and basically put everybody under the boot of global communist totalitarian government. And I think he, he really understood very well what the plan was. He was just missing one component. And, and you can't blame him for that. He was in the Soviet Union. He didn't have access to the Internet. He didn't even have access to you know books or, or Western newspapers. So he was missing one key component, and that was the fact that um, the deep state, if you will, in the Western world, the mega banks, the criminal politicians in Washington, D.C., in New York, in London, and Berlin, uh, all the while were aiding and abetting communism. Going back to the Bolshevik Revolution, where they financed Leon Trotsky and Vladimir Lenin, uh, going back to the uh, communist Chinese takeover of China and the betrayal of our great ally, Chiang Kai-shek, sticking a knife in his back, putting an arms embargo on him uh, to allow Chairman Mao, Stalin's minions, to take over China. And so if he had understood that piece, it all would have made sense. And I think that's what we're dealing with here with the meeting between Xi and Putin. And actually, frankly, I think Biden is a critical member of this fifth column in the United States. So we have a total war being waged on our country and the most dangerous tentacle of the machine that is waging war on us just so happens to be occupying the highest positions of power within our own federal government. Mm. Wow, and you can't forget George Soros and David Rockefeller in the mix, too. Yeah, really. Absolutely. They've been building up confidence China. I mean, literally, since the early 1970s, when David Rockefeller first went over there, they've been bragging about how they were going to build up communist China. Mm-hmm. David Rockefeller in 1973 wrote in the New York Slimes, and this is still in their archives, it's called <laughs> From a China Traveler. He had just come back from China. And he said the social experiment under Chairman Mao's leadership is one of the most important and successful in all of human history. Mm-hmm. Um, and less than 10 years ago, George Soros gave an interview with the Financial Times, and this is online, I, I use it in a lot of my talks, where he said communist China needs to own the new world order mm-hmm. in the same way that the United States owned the old world order. So what's happening right now is a major realignment of power. We're watching the controlled demolition of the United States, Mm -hmm. of our military, of our economy, of our food systems, our energy systems, and the transfer of the the center of power away from the United States, you know, a nation based nominally at least on biblical principles toward uh, the mass murdering dictatorship in communist China, Mm -hmm. which will be kind of the new front man for running the global system. 
So Russia and China really don't trust each other, but at least for the moment, they're working closely together. Is that, am I understanding that right? <laughs> the enemy of my enemy is my, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I think, they, I think it, they need to be understood really as, as a single block. Mm. I mean, the, the, the Sino-Soviet split, even going all the way back to the 1960s, Anatoly Gorichin explained that was pure communist deception. That was pure communist disinformation. There never was a Sino-Soviet split. That's just what our treacherous politicians used as an uh-huh. excuse to variously build up the Soviet Union and then China and then Soviet Union and then China. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Um, let's, boy, because we're, we're, we're really wanting to cover a lot this morning uh, from the international. But, you know, I have to ask this. You, you, you mentioned Rockefeller. You mentioned uh, his travels to China. And we're, we're talking about Russia and China. And I can't help but think John Dewey in the early days, I think in the 1930s, going over to Russia and trying to import from Russia what they were doing over there. And Russia was importing what Dewey wanted to do over here. Tell us a little bit about that, and we'll just kind of go into this uh, voucher article on school choice trap, because that, that has everything to do with education and uh, Russian influence back then, or communist influence. Yeah, so John Dewey, the founding father of our so-called public school system, actually was um, so impressed with the Soviet Union uh, that he wrote back this incredible series of articles. I mean, you look back at these today and you're like, was this guy completely dumb as a box of rocks? Or was he just, you know, died in the world totalitarian? I think died in the world totalitarian is the correct answer. But he painted the Soviet Union as if it were some kind of like magical utopia filled with rainbows and unicorns. I mean, it's unbelievable the ramblings of this maniac. Um, he, he actually wanted America to become a communist society. His chief difference of opinion with the kind of the international communist movement was that they thought uh, revolution, violent revolution, the violent overthrow of the bourgeoisie and capitalism was the way to get to communism. Uh, he believed that more, the more gradual approach through the indoctrination of children was the best way to get there. But uh, ultimately, their beliefs were practically identical in terms of the ultimate objective. And if you doubt that, you can actually read his religious manifesto. Him and a group of about 30-something other clowns got together, and they outlined what they thought was a new religion. Uh, they, they called it the Humanist Manifesto. Yep. And uh, they were very, very plain about what they believed. The first tenet was, we religious humanists believe the universe is self-existing and not created. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that's mm-hmm. contrasted with the Word of God, which teaches in Genesis 1, verse 1, that in the beginning, God created. Um, and as you read the silly religious manifesto, uh, you realize that he regards humans as gods, that, you know, you are God, I am God. Um, and also that he loves communism, right? We, we've got to get rid of the profit motive. We've got to uh, have uh, public ownership of over the means of life, uh, which is another way of saying the means of production. Um, so first of all, this is a religion from the pit of hell, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, literally the oldest line in the book, Satan said in Genesis uh, 3, 5, uh, ye shall be as gods, right? It's literally the oldest line in the book. That's what John <laughs> Dewey was peddling. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, communism, which is essentially systematic satanic slavery. So that's the origins of our public school right there, and they are intimately tied with the Soviet system. So let's talk about government control, because uh, uh, wicked, godless governments want to control all of society, and public education, the education system, is a great way to, uh, what, as you call it, rightly so, brainwash young children so they grow up being good uh, social justice uh, disciples and and worse. But, um, Alex, you start off this article on vouchers and school choice. A lot of people think they know about what school choice is or what vouchers are. But I like the way you draw people in. You're talking about Sweden. But, but it sounds so close to perhaps what America could become. So tell us about that. 
Well, you know, I actually witnessed this happening in Sweden. So I, I have, uh, you know, firsthand experience in this. Uh, I was living in Sweden when the trap door closed. Mm. And so here, here's kind of the, the, the history in a nutshell. Uh, in the early 1990s, and, and I guess even before I give the story, I should point out that Sweden is very often used as a, as a testing ground by totalitarians who want to import evil ideas into the United States. Um, Sweden is a very a good place to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Almost nobody outside of Sweden speaks Swedish, so the things that, uh, at least until Google Translate, the things that happened in Sweden typically uh, stayed in Sweden. Right? It's not like the American newspapers had correspondents there telling us what was happening. Um, and so... And you also had a very uh, malleable population. Uh, you know, as much as I love the Swedes, and I'm married to a Swede, so I can say this, uh, they're very, very lemming-like, right? If their government tells them to do something, they'll just all run off the cliff together. Um, and so they, they frequently use Sweden as the testament. They did it with homosexual marriage, so-called. They did it with transgenderism, and they did it with so-called school choice. So in the early 1990s, uh, the very same arguments that we are hearing today all across the country. Uh, we need school choice. Uh, you know, it's not fair that there's just a monopoly in education. Parents should be allowed to choose. The government should give us all money so that we can choose what kind of education our children will get. Uh, and, you know, I'm all about school choice. I love school choice. I believe in school choice in the true sense of the term, where parents are making the choice about how to educate their children. Uh, but this is a, a clever marketing scam. This is, you know, we already have school choice. We, we can do anything we want with our kids. We can pull them out. We can homeschool. We can unschool. We can put them in a Catholic school, a Christian, a partisan school, uh, you know, a, a new age school, a Muslim <laughs> school, whatever we want to do, we can do right now. Uh, and so they use this argument. And within a few years after the 1990s, they had virtually every single private school in Sweden taking government money. Wow. And the trap closed in 2011. Uh, they passed an education reform bill. And I was there when this happened. Uh, and they said that, well, you know, all these schools are taking government money, and yet there's no accountability. I mean, there's people teaching kids that, like, the Bible is literally true. Like, what? You know, we can't have that. It's mm. Homosexuality is sinful. We can't have that anymore. So in this bill, they mandated that all schools that were taking government money, which at that point was virtually every single one except the one where the aristocrats sent their kids to, they had the sense not to do this. Uh, yes, Sweden still has an aristocracy. Um, and so, <laughs> uh, so uh, the trap door closed. And, and in that that same bill where they basically nationalized all private schools, they also banned homeschooling um, and, wow. and right away started wow. kidnapping homeschool children from homeschool families. It was an absolute disaster. Wow. And folks, I'm telling you, it's coming here. Wow. wow. You sound you say that with such confidence, <laughs> Alex, like you actually know what you're talking about. Um, but I, I want to have you explain a little bit further just what you highlight in this article, and you get into detail the different ways that people, private, Christian, religious, or charter schools take government money and then the ties that you, that they have then once they do that. And there are very subtle ways that they're trying to sell this. Yeah, you can take funding. And then once you take that funding, explain some of the details and, and you call it a trap. How do American families or schools fall into that? Well, uh, we actually are, we've seen it happen already, and it is, it, the process is actually happening right now. Let me give you a, a real clear example. And this actually happened after my article went to press, so I wasn't able to include it in there. But Utah, and I know you have listeners in Utah, even though they haven't sent in money yet, but if you're in Utah, send in money. <laughs> right. um, but, uh, but this happened just, just this month, right? Uh, so in Utah, the legislature, a supermajority Republican legislature, uh, passed a universal school choice law to give every family that asked for it with school-aged children a voucher. And they didn't even wait for the ink to dry on the governor's signature 
before the war drum started beating. And let me read you a headline. This, just, this article was published in KUTV, uh, one of the mainstream Utah channels, um, on March 10th. Here's what it says. The headline says, Utah's voucher law raises concerns over lack of oversight in homeschooling. Wow. Like, I, I figured they would at least wait a few years yeah. to start with this, right? But no, they, did, they didn't even wait till the ink was dry. Here's the first mm. sentence. Could Utah's new school voucher law lead to the distribution of neo-Nazi propaganda in homeschooling groups? Wow. That's the question on the minds of those concerned about the state's oversight of homeschooling. And as you read this article, they say, well, you know what? The state is now funding homeschooling. Uh, we are now paying for these parents to homeschool their children. And what if they give their kids Nazi stuff? Uh, we have to have the state step in and regulate what parents can teach their children. So, folks, it's already happening. Uh, and also, you know, as I was doing research for my article, I found a government accountability office study. This is a congressional agency, right, the GAO. And here's what they said. I want to quote directly from their study. Um, voucher and ESA, this was 2016, by the way, Voucher and ESA programs generally placed requirements on participating private schools, according to GAO's review of program documents, survey responses, and interviews with program officials. In other words, the money already comes with strings attached. Now, those strings may be tolerable to you right now, but will they be tolerable to you next year when they tell you you have to have transvestites teaching your kindergartners at your Christian school? Will they be tolerable when they start banning uh, prayer and Bible, which is what happened in the Christian schools in Sweden once they started taking government money. Wow. Um, and the problem then is once our schools are dependent on this money, who really thinks that they're going to say, well, we're going to lose half of our budget and fire half of our staff because they're trying to make us you know, compromise on this point of doctrine. So, folks, beware. It's not coming. It's already here. Wow. And we're speaking with Alex Newman, The New American. You get this article. We will link today. It's over at thenewamerican.com. It's on school choice, and it's called Vouchers, School Choice Trap. Talk to us about government testing requirements, because people often forget that. It's not just about the money, private schools, uh, Christian schools, parochial schools receiving some sort of federal funding, but um, what about testing requirements? Because that then you've got to line up with their curriculum and agenda as well, right, Alex? Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. This just happened yesterday. I mean, this issue could not be more timely. I uh, praise the Lord that uh, we can talk about it today. Thank you, guys. Uh, but just yesterday, my governor and and I like our governor. I know our governor. I you know he was my congressman before. I like our governor very much. You know, full disclosure. But uh, yesterday, he signed a universal school choice bill. And we fought very hard. We put together an incredible coalition. Uh, we worked with the governor and his office. I spoke spoke with him about this uh, just a few weeks ago, and he told me that our concerns were being addressed. And so I appreciated that. So the bill wasn't as bad as it could be, mm. but it was still a disaster. And let me explain how. So the original bill I should start off with was was unbelievably bad. Uh, as soon as you took government money, you were required to take government tests. You were required to meet annually with a so-called choice navigator who would assess the educational needs of your child and come up with a plan for you on how to meet those needs. Uh, thankfully, some of the worst elements of the bill were removed um, prior to it passing. But, uh, and, and I just found out this uh, yesterday because there were so many different versions of the bill going around and, you know, we were trying to keep track of it all, but it's very <laughs> difficult. Um, I found out yesterday that uh, the governor's uh, deputy chief of staff, uh, who we were working with on this, 
um, told uh, one of the members of our coalition that the governor had actually gotten comfortable with the testing requirements. So as soon as you take the money, uh, you are, first of all, no longer considered a homeschooler under state law. And that's thanks to our efforts. We did not want homeschoolers to be confused with people who are taking government money. So we got that passed. But I think all homeschoolers need to know as soon as you take that money, the handcuffs go on and you're not a homeschooler anymore. Secondly, you have to take an annual test. Uh, that is nationally normed. Uh, all of these tests are, of course, aligned with common core. And yep. so what has happened now with with this law is that everybody that takes this money is going to have to take a common core aligned mm-hmm. test. And we all know that testing drives the curriculum. Mm-hmm. And so what's going to happen is these homeschoolers are going to end up uh, either having to teach common core or looking very bad on the government's test. And what, what the deputy chief of staff told, um, told our friend is that, well, the governor had gotten comfortable with this um, testing idea because he was sure the homeschoolers were going to do so much better than the public school kids. Well, that's not going to be the case because these tests are aligned with Common Core. So very problematic, and this just happened yesterday. Yeah. Testing drives curriculum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with, with all the, the families who took their kids out of school um, during the pandemic, uh, they wanted uh, there's more homeschoolers. And so now the, the public, school, public school cabal doesn't like that they don't have their tentacles on these kids. And I, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for this program, and I'll tell you why, because the... When you're talking about Christian schools, even when my daughter was in the Christian school, like in 1990, it was very expensive. And parents looked at this and went, oh, gee, now I can afford that great option. And even then we were saying, be careful, be careful, be careful, because you don't know. There's, this is a Trojan horse uh, disaster, and now we're talking about it in 2023. And it's even more of a Trojan horse. So I really appreciate this topic, Alex. Hey, Alex, I, I hear the dog, and I'm thinking, are you talking to us from my house? Because that sounds like my house. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, brother. We, we have a, a guest coming over, and I'm sure he's just arrived a little early. But, uh, our, our dog thinks she's protecting our kids from everything, including lizards, bugs, guests, friends, everything. So oh, That's funny. Well, uh, would you like to comment a little bit more about just – how, UNESCO, we, we briefly talked about that. We only have five minutes left. But how, how does UNESCO tie into what's happening in American government schools? Uh, I'm so glad you, you brought up this topic, Dave, because uh, we actually know what they're planning to do because they've actually put it in their own documents. Uh, I dedicate a big segment of my article to a UNESCO report. This came out last year. It's called the Global Education Monitoring Report. Um, and again, UNESCO is the UN Education Agency, which thinks all children all over the world need to learn from the same crummy standards, the same new age curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say so. Uh, and they actually say in this report, uh, I encourage people to either read the report directly or read my article where I quote directly from it. Um, and what they say is, you know, we can't have all these private schools doing whatever they want. Governments need to bring them under co- government control. And the way to do that, and they say this in plain English, they don't, you know, beat around the bush or hide it behind uh, secret language. They say the way to do that is to start giving them money. We're going to give them tax money. And then once they take tax money, they have to do our tests. They have to meet our equity goals. They have to agree to our non-discrimination things. So, you know, people think they're getting school choice with government money. In reality, it's exactly the opposite. Under the guise of school choice, we are going to lose all genuine school choice if we're not careful, because as this UNESCO document makes clear, the government money is intended to make all private schools into government schools. Mm -hmm. That's the focus. That's the plan. Um, Let's see. 
I just want to go to the end of your article. It's an eight-page article, at least according to my printer. Um, you, you say when you know, we're talking about solutions. Now, it is an in-depth um, problem, and, it, and it, there are various angles that they try to get you. They try to get you th- through accepting government money, and then then you're tied. Your hands are tied. Um, you say, Alex, rather than looking to government for help and other people's money, Americans must return to the biblical principle that children are God, the God-given responsibility of parents, not Caesar or even one's neighbors. Talk to us a little bit more about the solution. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, we really do as Christians, we need to stand on biblical principles. And if you read your Bible, it says, thou shalt not steal. It doesn't say thou shalt not steal unless you have kids who need a, an education, in, in which case you can send government goons over to their house to take their money and threaten to auction their property if they won't pay up, right? That's wrong for Christians to to think in that way. No one else has a duty to educate your children except you. That's your responsibility as parents. Uh, and so I think as Christians, we really need to stand on principle. We have no right to steal money from our neighbors for the education of our children. And if you look at all the references to education, to raising children, to discipling the next generation throughout the scriptures, it's always a parental responsibility. It's never a responsibility of civil government. Civil government's job is to ensure justice, to punish evil and wickedness and to protect the good, not to educate our kids. So, um, you know, it, I understand it's very tempting, right? Under this new bill that was just signed into law yesterday here in Florida, my family, I've got five kids, we homeschool all of them, I'd be eligible to get $40,000. You know, that's a real tempting thing. Wow. But, uh, you know, as Christians, we need to stand on the Word of God and say, these are my children, it's my responsibility, I don't want to co-parent with the government, yes. to borrow a phrase from Moms for Liberty, and if you're taking government money, you're going to be co-parenting with the government, it's just that simple. Amen. And there's a, definitely a lot of information in the article, and uh, there's a report called Government-Funded Vouchers in Danger, Biblically Faithful Christian Education, and so much more. Alex, just a minute left. Um, are you in a part of a Zoom call through Liberty Pastors, a pastor's town hall uh, often? Tell us about that. Yeah, so actually, I've been teaching at the uh, Liberty Pastors conferences all across America. In fact, I think I met you at one of those, maybe yep. in Oklahoma or something. Um, yep. So, yeah, I, I've been working very closely with Pastor Paul Blair. He's a good friend. Uh, it's been a tremendous honor to be able to uh, teach pastors all across the country about globalism and what the Bible says about education. And, uh, you know, I think one of the, I think what Paul Blair and, uh, and Dan Fisher, a former legislator, are doing is one of the most important things happening in America today. Yep. And so very thankful to them and thankful to you, Dave, and just appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for having me on the program. Hey, God bless you, Alex Newman. We will, Lord willing, talk to you again in the very near future. Take care. And we've got some more headlines to talk about, Mary and I, when we come back. Did you know that the Stand Up For The Truth podcast is 100% produced by the Q90FM radio staff in Green Bay, Wisconsin? Most people don't. When you support Stand Up For The Truth, your tax-deductible donations fund our ministry's operations, programming, and outreach ministries. Stand Up For The Truth, Q90FM, and Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Thank you for your prayers and support. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth. Okay, a couple more comments and quotes here before we get to our next articles and uh, news and topics. Uh, Mary, I've got one from his article he wrote that we were just talking about over at The New American. Milwaukee, Wisconsin offered vouchers for Christian and private schools. However, they came with hundreds of regulations attached, including a a prohibition on requiring Bible classes or chapel for voucher students. 
in Alaska. They introduced a program to offer financial assistance to a, to homeschooling families and ended up being sued by most homeschool families in the state. The only catch, no religious material or curricula involved. So once you take these, this money and the, you're tied and guys, it, he goes way into detail mm-hmm. in how this happens. Cause I think to you and I, it's common sense, but yeah. there are devious ways that they try to draw you in. And yeah. I just wanted to, to let you know, it's such such a great article on yeah. vouchers and school yeah, choice. Yeah, the church has to always read the fine print A and B oh. have a spine. Yep. And now, what what did, you had something from well, uh, the state of Maine? Yes, uh, this is a little bit of a sidebar or a follow up in this case. Um, it's by Alex Newman. Student red guards terrorizing children about gender in Maine schools. So the basis of it is uh, official officially sanctioned bands of radicalized students dubbed civil rights teams have been terrorizing fellow children who do not show total allegiance to the gender and sexuality ideology being imposed by school officials. So, you know, David, if they, they don't have enough to deal with the pornography in the libraries, this, wow. this is student ideological enforcers tasked with ensuring compliance. Talk about your peer pressure. Um, Two students involved in what was described as the school's civil rights team were going around harassing and bullying children, including this woman's daughter, who made a complaint about this. She refused to openly discuss her sexuality at school. Uh, they're, they're trying to get children to talk about their sexuality. Uh, um, and then it says another troubling incident her daughter went through involved the distribution of pronoun pins to children oh, so they could label themselves, again, as a way of opening up discussions on sexuality and gender. So now you have... Uh, fellow students patrolling the hall. I mean, it's just, it's out of a sci-fi movie. I'm telling you, this is out of a dystopian, post-apocalyptic mess. And I, this is things, you'd think we're making this up, but when you think about Hitler and the Hitler youth, they use youth to pressure each other to fall in line. Peer pressure. We don't yeah. talk enough about Ick. peer pressure, but yeah, that's, that's over in Maine. Um, so friends, it's happening and it's not just, uh, out there somewhere. It's in small town USA as well. Yep. Uh, Mayor, we got a, um, a, an email yesterday, and they didn't like what we were saying on the podcast. Uh, I had Chad Davidson on from um, 511 News and Good Fight Ministries. And I want to explain, friends, w- we are just wanting to stay true to God's word, look at what's happening in the church, the state of the church, the lack of biblical worldview in the church, as well as exposed deeds of darkness, which are outside of church. That's when we talk about government. That's when we talk about Hollywood. That's when we talk about communism or cultural Marxism or the LGBTQ agenda. These are issues that affect all of us in some way, the programming. So yesterday we talked about Christian entertainment a little bit, The Chosen, and really not a lot about that. It was more about um, Lonnie Frisbee. It was more about... Um, um, the Jesus Revolution, and, and we talked a little bit about that. But I want to read this. Uh, he said, or she said, her name is Kim. And by the way, you are welcome. I don't think she's a regular listener, and this is why. By the way, we, you know we have our email, comments at standupforthetruth.com. She didn't know that, and we repeat that uh, several times a week on the podcast. So I, I think maybe she just happened to catch the podcast or part of it yesterday, tuning in by mistake. But she said, you apparently have no forum for comment, so I apologize. I'm using this venue. She emailed us. Um, here's the message. Q90, especially David Fioraziano. I respect your ministry, and I'm a fully devoted follower of Christ. 
I can't help but notice that your radio broadcast, Stand Up for the Truth, is looking for the negative, cynical, and divisive parts of those who are trying to reach the lost. Yes, we need to know the truth, but it is clearly not being shown in love. May I look at your life and then critique May I look at your life and then critique that and display that across the radio waves or TV? We are all imperfect, and those who are striving to bring the gospel and the love of Jesus to others need not be condemned by those like you who are looking at the negative parts of the flawed part of the human being that all that all of we are. That's exactly how she wrote it. That's pretty easy and, frankly, a cowardly way to go. Look at this interview on the chosen and then critique it. Did you first, did you do that before your slanted critique? And by the way, the, I'm thinking we spent less than five or ten minutes on the chosen yesterday. We were talking about Jonathan Rumi, the uh, lead actor in the chosen and his part in Jesus Revolution playing Lonnie Frisbee, a hippie Lonnie Frisbee who was in, into, into LSD and, and then into gay, going to gay bars as he was part of this Jesus Revolution. That was the focus but we just did mention The Chosen. She says, has anyone come to know Christ because of your broadcast? Have you built up the body of Christ through your chronic degradation of those you are trying to present Christ? Um, are you building up or tearing down whatever remnant remains? I beseech you to think about that seriously. You need to do some introspection. Think about these things. Maybe think kingdom building. I don't mean to come across as a wacko. Just want to seek truth as you do. But we need to do it in the right way. That's all. So, Mary, just brief comments. We don't want to spend a lot of time mm-hmm. on this, but obviously it seems like she she's not a regular listener. Mm-hmm. We do mention a lot of Scripture. We often mention the Gospel. We are not an evangelical ministry. We are dis- a discernment podcast that tackles politics, worldview, culture, um, and the church, church issues. We talk to Christians who need to be informed on what's going on, need to be challenged or even... They need to learn, uh, be equipped, really, of what they're not getting maybe at their home churches. But, Mayor, just some of her comments, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, it, this is her perspective, and it's, it's just where she's coming from. Right, right. And I, I'm looking at the first part of the letter um, where she says, Stand up for the truth is looking for the negative, cynical, and divisive parts of those who are trying to reach the lost. So, you know, she's talking about the motives of those who are trying to reach the lost, which is wonderful. But also, she's building this up as that's superior than to maybe the motives who are trying to point out deception, which is really not true at all. Yeah. It's not cowardly at all. Uh, and, and showing people deception, uh, you know, Paul talks about testing the spirits, contending for the faith. He warned about wolves coming in. He warned about not enduring sound doctrine. That too is in the scripture. And so we have to, uh, that does build up the body. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not cowardly. In fact, it's, it takes a lot of, um, it's not easy to come on and point these things out. People need to understand that there's often a cost to do that. But, you know, reaching the lost, of course, uh, stand up in Q90 is devoted to that. But that's not a superior motive necessarily than those who are gifted with the gift of discernment and trying to point out uh, deception. And it is done in love, and it also comes down to how you would define in love, because it's very loving to let people know that, that there are, you know, things about the chosen, you know, the, the Mormon involvement and all that, that is very loving. So we discerning. have to define things, yes. Yes, and when, when, a, when a Christian producer of a very, extremely popular uh, series, The Chosen, says um, Mormons are my brothers and Christians are the, they, comparing them, 
We've got to yeah. ta- start talking about doctrine, what the Bible teaches versus what yeah. the what no, I was going to say Quran, <laughs> what the Book of Mormon teaches. But we need to address these things, and we try to do it in love. We and we do share the gospel, but we have to share the full and mm-hmm. true gospel, not just the social mm-hmm. justice parts or the feel good parts mm-hmm. of it. And our point with the chosen, and we need to move on, is if you're a non-believer, if you have never gone to church, if you have never become born again or read the Bible. Watch The Chosen. It's a great, I believe, transitional um, opportunity for you to learn more about the, like maybe a little bit about who Jesus was and his disciples, but that is not all scripted in the Bible. It's not dialogue directly from the Bible as they themselves admit. 95% of The Chosen, this is the director's own words, are not from the Bible. So they have to have artistic license and you get into trouble when you do that with theological issues. So we've got to move on, but thank you. We appreciate any anybody's comments. We don't expect everybody to agree with us, but um, it, there's a lot of attacking words in there, negative, mm-hmm. divisive, condemned, your chronic degradation of those who are trying to present Christ, your tearing down. Um, honestly, you if you've been listening for any length of time, that's not our heart. No, absolutely um, not. So... We've got a lot of things to tackle, but let's go over to this article, Mayor, uh, quickly over at the Gateway Pundit. The Taliban released a video of all of the military vehicles and piles of weapons and $100 bills stacked up. And I'm looking at this picture of trucks, military trucks and vehicles over at the Gateway Pundit. And as you remember, uh, the Biden regime supplied the Taliban terrorist organization and their Islamist accomplices with billions of dollars worth of U.S. weapons, armed vehicles, helicopters, ammunition, piles of cash, when they pulled out quickly from Afghanistan. So rather than uh, trying to take some with them or destroy some uh, equipment before leaving the country, Biden surrendered nearly $85 billion worth of U.S. military equipment to the Taliban. And I'm looking at this graphic, $85 billion, um, U.S. funding to go to the Afghan army, 600,000 weapons, 75,000 vehicles, 200 aircraft, and Biden left 300 times more guns than those passed to the Mexican cartels in Obama's Fast and Furious program. That was a debacle. So how about some perspective of what the Biden administration is doing, and, and the radio, um, the uh, media will not report on this. They will not uh, fairly cover any of this. Uh, Mary, your thoughts? This is just sad, especially when you look at this list. Yeah, this is it, what I'm looking at. It's a daunting list of what we left, what we gave terrorist organizations. Yeah, it's a list of 28 things or items, but it includes like 16,000 night vision goggles or 75,989 total vehicles. Um, Choppers, uh, attack aircraft, ground attack aircraft, grenades, howitzers, mortars, 28 different categories of tens of thousands of things. And it says, the last uh, comment here says, it really is as if we lost the war and now we're paying reparations to the terrorists. You know what? That that really isn't an an interesting but scary point. Um, And then they show the the stack, massive stacks. We've only seen this on on Hollywood movies. Uh, Stacks of $100 bills. Um, the Joe Biden left be, the, the Taliban for good measure. Uh, millions of rounds of ammunition. Mm-hmm. And why are we talking about this? Is this a Christian issue? 
No, but this is a corruption issue with our government, and our government is in this country. Christians are citizens here. We have dual citizenship, right? Our citizenship is in heaven. That's Philippians 3.20. But we have dual citizenship as people who are living in the United States. And so we are concerned about the corruption, where the money goes. Why? Because that's our tax dollars. We are being taxed, and this is what a corrupt government is doing with our money, and it is irresponsible it is reckless it is the pullout of afghanistan yeah. i know i know that everyone did jump on it and say wait a minute you've abandoned not, and people too people have been abandoned to the situation it's not just stuff that's right and i think it's good to update people on that because it gets lost same with benghazi it all gets lost in the murk and all the junk because, but, because you know where the media stands on these right. stories and i think right. it's good to update update yep, this stuff uh, mayor where do you want to go next Oh, uh, well, um, I guess just briefly about Bill Gates, because okay. he, um, this headline, Bill Gates, the world's most dangerous centibillionaire, proves, so Jeff Bezos is a centibillionaire, too. I'm not, I don't do what math. What does that mean? I, I was told there'd a, be no A billionaire math. 100 times over? I, I guess so. centennial? I, yeah. Okay. Centi? Centibillionaire. Right, well, don't quote us on that, yeah, friends. Yeah, I should have looked it up. Anyway, <laughs> it proves, it, this, it says, proves he has learned nothing from the last three years. And and it goes on to say, Bill Gates is becoming a menace. He will not leave us alone. He's learned all the wrong lessons from COVID. At this point, he's worse than clueless. He's one of the 10 richest men, controller of a $50 billion charitable honeypot, and he can drive public health policy in dangerous directions. He's obsessed, oh, excuse me, <clears throat> he's obsessed with the risk of future pandemics. Um, has learned nothing. It says he wants you to be afraid. So this, here's the fear factor okay, still. Okay. And not just of the flu and the, and the, the row, he calls it, which turned out to be a big disappointment to Team Apocalypse. Um, but it didn't kill enough kids to be properly scary and force everyone to be vaccinated. He says, um, what if the next pandemic, uh, pathogen spreads through surface droplets or if it's sexually transmitted, transmitted like HIV? What if it's the result of bioterrorism? What if, what if, what if it comes mm. through aliens? And so now they have something called the Global Emergency Health Corps. Um, they want to run drills to practice for outbreaks. Uh, the exercises will make sure that everyone, governments, healthcare providers, emergency health workers knows what to do when an outbreak emerges. So it's just, it's kind of like, making it happen, which you know he has the money and the intent to do so. Um, and, and there's also another, oh, my goodness, I saw a little video this morning from Children's Health Defense, which is Robert Kennedy Jr.'s mm-hmm. website, that now he is um, buying or making or having developed these masks that they're going to put on cows, masks for cows, to measure the methane that comes out of their mouth and to measure certain other things that we're going to save the world by putting masks on cows. But here's what they're going to do. They're going to make these masks for people. So they've gotten people used to wearing masks. They want AI masks on people for whatever it is that they want to measure. This is all out of the, oh, I don't know, the very, I don't know, mind of Bill Gates. I was going to put an adjective in there. I don't know what it would be. It's demented, to say the least, mind of Bill Gates. And he is a scary individual. Emergency core drilling for outbreaks. So it's drilling says, for outbreaks. Uh, you, you read that quote, but there's more okay. in, in this article. He says um, these drills will have, from his point of view, the effect of reminding people of the threats of non-existent pandemics, <laughs> and thus driving wow. funding for more drills. Um, the crypto boys call that call that a flywheel. Until they went broke. Mm-hmm. And it says, how will emergency corps decide how to respond once another souped up coronavirus leaks out of Wuhan or wherever else? 
and I mean climate change makes a, a bat to cough on a whatever on a chicken and, and at a farm. I mean, I mean, this is. But you said it earlier. You said it. It's it's fear. It's fear putting fear out there. And what they're doing, the, the money they're wasting. Come on, measuring methane that cows put out. Yeah, put yeah, yeah. So, because they're so destroying. Cows are it. the problem. Their I, cows are the problem. I thought it was flatulence, not what they're breathing. No, it's what they're breathing what they're as they're breathing. digesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes, um, and and uh, again, I I, I do I'm believe. Sorry, you guys. And these gals said these gals said um, it's going to be AI masks on humans. Once you are, if you are ever permanently masked, it'll have to do with AI and measuring all manner of things that are going on in the human. So we haven't seen the last of these little pop-up disposable masks. It, it could become something completely more insidious. Even though there's so much research available on how they were ineffective to stop COVID. Anyway, yep. um, we won't open up that can again. But uh, we want to briefly mention a couple other articles quickly. And that is um, the massive 70-car train uh, derailment in North Dakota. Another one that is spilling hazardous materials. Um, 31 of the 70 cars derailed. This is the latest in a string of derailments in the U.S., a country that sees more than 1,000 train derailments each year. I wasn't aware that there were that many. Mm -hmm. Authorities say it happened uh, Sunday night, late Sunday night, March 26th, and uh, it's just south of Windmere, North Dakota. And... Some were leaking petroleum used to make asphalt. At this time, authorities at that time authorities said there was no danger to the public. Of course, when hazardous materials are leaking, there's no danger. They say right. um, it was a Canadian Pacific train derailed, and um, officials are still, I guess, concerned about the leaking petroleum, according to the report. But and he just put, that, that's just all the article. That's the whole article right there. The fact is, there's been a lot of these in the news in the last couple years, especially last year. Now, let's set this topic aside, unless you want to comment on it, Mayor, and talk about the um, burning buildings and the food production facilities across the country, the, the, the fires that have been breaking out where they're, you know, relating to our food or the supply issues with our food. More than I've ever remembered in my life, and they're making the news, um, there's something going on. Yeah. And, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you've got to take the information and, and just kind of set that right. aside and go, okay, something's happening. I don't know what. Mm -hmm. But it just seems that if you wanted to hurt America mm -hmm. or the economy or perhaps even the American people mm -hmm. um, – you would do some of these things. Yes, you would. And you would allow China to buy up your farmland. And you would uh, let GMO seeds become the rule where you can't, they don't replicate seeds. You have to buy the seeds. When you mm. take everything into consideration, I mean, the recipe for famine is there. And, and, you know, the Bible talks about famine in the last days. Uh, at the beginning of sorrows, there will be famines um, engineered, uh, allowed by God. But um, absolutely, this will lead to all kinds of food shortages, continued high prices. I mean, groceries continue to skyrocket. But but wait a minute. The government puts out, you know, even Biden said, or was it Kamala Harris the other day that said, hey, thanks to the Biden administration, people are doing much better and the prices are going down. Well, I don't see that. I didn't get that Where, memo. Where's the evidence? I didn't get that memo at yeah. all. The average person hears this and go, well, yeah. I don't know what they're talking about, yeah. they meaning the administration. Yeah. But, I mean, you look at the, the gas prices or the 
cost of whatever it might be in the grocery store compared to what it was five years ago or even three years ago. Well, and Alex talked about a planned demolition. So we're talking governmental and food. Um, These train derailments and the, um, the environmental crisis involved in that and the poisoning of the air uh, on every front, David, it's just you, yeah. there's nothing you can't point to that isn't destroying something. Mm-hmm. World is in destruct mode. Yeah. So we've got just a few minutes left, and I highlighted this at the very beginning. I just want to get your take on this, Mayor. Um, Utah, back to Utah, by the way. We've, we've got <laughs> to have a listener in Utah. Let us know. Comments at standupforthetruth.com. Utah's new law requires parental consent for minors to use social media. If you're a Christian and you know the dangers, I mean, there's some good stuff. You can learn a lot. You can research a lot, get a lot of information, information, but you can also get a lot of junk and talk about stuff that'll take you away from God. Um, so under the new laws, children under 18 cannot use social media between 1030 p.m. and 630 a.m. So just in that, I guess, eight hour span, age verification and parental consent will also be required to use these platforms. Social media companies must also grant parents access to their children's accounts. This is interesting, Hmm. but remember, we're not talking about adults. We're talking about children on social media. Um, You might think, wait a minute, is that an invasion of privacy? Well, the parents run the household, right? And and I know uh, there's got to be some trust involved in with parents and children, but there's also got to be steps taken to protect protect and guard your children from so much damage that can come through these little gadgets, iPhones and laptops. Merritt, what do you think? Yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to enforce that yeah. necessarily in every household and in some households there are parents or not parents or one parent. Uh, I'm not sure how that's supposed to work, but parents really should be doing this anyway. And I mean, for the government to have to do this is not a very good commentary on this the state of, of parenting these days. And we all know that there are uh, it's a mixed yeah. bag out there, but I, I'm, I'm not sure how they would uh, enforce that. I think somebody's trying. Yeah, well, the intentions are good, mm-hmm. friends. The intentions right. are good. They're not trying to take away their child's contact with the outside world right. or their cell phones. We're t- an eight-hour span after 10.30 p.m., mm-hmm. um, and one of the intentions was from the governor, governor there in Utah uh, was to curb unhealthy addictions to social media in children. I understand that. So that's they kids are addicted to social media and, yeah. and their iPhones and gadgets and games and all these other things. But yeah, there are better ways to do it. Parents, yeah. parents got to take the reins back. And they're paying for these kids to have these expensive phones and internet. I think okay, maybe that's the problem in the beginning. Oh, what boy. age group? What age group should a child have a smartphone or a tablet Good and be question. on the internet? You can get tablets that yeah. aren't on the internet, right? Yeah. Okay, what we didn't get a chance to talk to Alex Newman about, um, the Wisconsin Supreme Court is up for grabs. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a race. It's got huge implications. And as we mentioned last week in an article, it's it's already the most expensive Supreme Court race in the history of America. Mayor in Wisconsin, right (laughs) here. Right here. So, guys, um, um, you know, uh, Justice Daniel Kelly is the conservative. And the uh, feminist Marxist uh, leftist is the woman, I think it's Janet Palakshowitz or something like that. I don't have it in front of me. can never remember her last name, yeah. but that's not a bad thing. Um, but just know your issues and know what they stand for. And 
Go to Wisconsin Family Action or Wisconsin Family College. Jelaine Appling has done a wonderful mm-hmm. job in refuting some of these blatant lies that are in television ads. If you're in Wisconsin, you've seen these ads lying about Dan Kelly, Daniel Kelly's mm-hmm. background, who he worked with, what he supports. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they might as well say he wants to chop off the heads of women. You know what I mean? They're, they're almost going that yeah. far. And that's how they always do. They over-exaggerate or, or they take a little nugget of maybe a half-truth, yeah. what he did, and then they'll really exaggerate it and use it to their ends. Yeah. And then what what can you do? The lies put out there. So right. all you can do is say, wait a minute, this is the truth. So you almost have to address it. That's why there's so much money being poured into this yeah. because this is an important race. Well, they're horrible ads. I hadn't seen one until this past weekend. If you watch the local oh, news, blessed. if you watch the local news, you will get inundated. The same with any yeah. election. But I, I saw their faces and I saw the anger and the animosity, and I thought this isn't even remotely civilized. Oh. And on top of that, they're lying. So yeah, yeah. It, no good thing comes out of these ads. And I understand, Mayor. This is how a lot of Christians want to just avoid politics. Yeah. I understand that yeah. fully. But friends, don't shirk your responsibility as a Christian citizen of the United States uh, to impact your community, those things that directly affect you. Uh, Tomorrow you'll hear from Todd Nettleton and then Andy Woods, the doctor and pastor. Andy Woods, uh, he gave us a shout-out in his recent pastor's point of view last Friday. Uh, my article uh, on the Barna worldview, only at 4%, the biblical worldview, mm-hmm. and Scott Shera on Friday. Well, thanks for listening and sharing the podcast. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.